0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thrizer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing awesome and uh, having a good day. So today's podcast session is a topic that I know many of us are probably thinking about, which is how does search engine optimization or SEO change when we are now doing telehealth across the state and even potentially with things like PsychPak? Like how does that change when you can now be licensed in multiple states? If you are thinking about creating an online course, I know that many of us may be thinking about that right now in the midst of the pandemic and in a post-pandemic world, whether it's just to diversify our income beyond therapy work, or just to feel like we have a bigger message to share and we want to be able to share that in a different way. Uh, Beyond just our geographic area, if all of that sounds awesome and you've been thinking about creating an online course, I just wanted to invite you to download the free A to Z online course guide, Uh, I launched my first online course back in 2015 to a 2971 dollars first sale and through a lot of just hard work and uh, a lot of trust in colleagues to purchase the course so we've how had over 275 of our colleagues purchase the healthcasters podcasting course and i've learned a ton about what it takes to launch, grow, and scale a podcasting course and a course in uh, in general. And uh, that guide just has a lot of helpful information to help you get started. We're also launching something called Online Course School. This is a live cohort experience, so meaning that this isn't like a digital course on courses, although eventually it will have that. But this is more of a live experience where we therapists can gather over the course of six to eight weeks. And what I will do is I will teach you everything that I know about how to launch and grow a successful online course. We'll start with your idea and how to validate your online course. We'll then work through what your lessons and modules and all of those different things will look like we will actually take time and And actually do exercises to get those down. We'll come up with your course title and your subtitle uh, in a way that your students are excited to want to purchase that course. And then we'll talk about actually how to record and market your course as well. And you'll be joined with others in community and you'll have an accountability buddy and a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds awesome, I encourage you to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll get right to today's session. This is a question that we're exploring today. My guest is Jessica Tapana from SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com. Jessica is a group practice owner and also a SEO nerd. And this was a conversation I was really looking forward to. Uh, One, because I'm still a newbie when it comes to SEO, but I'm very fascinated by it and how we can create content online that serves others, but then do it in a way that that helps search engines to be able to find that content. So we're diving into a number of different questions today. Uh, The first one that we start out with is, what is the biggest difference? in approaching SEO as telehealth becomes a norm and then Jessica and I are going to dive deep into three of the tips to improve your SEO if you are doing a telehealth practice we specifically f- focus on if you've kind of converted or if you're thinking like long term you're going to be 100% online and then we wrap up with talking about simple question of like location based kind of services right so for example you know, you might want, you know, let's say that you might be licensed in two states or you're licensed in one state, but you want to like rank in two different major cities. How do you do that from an SEO perspective? This is a really insightful conversation and one that I think you'll get a lot from. So we'll jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Jessica Tapana from SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com. Hey, Jessica, welcome to Selling the Couch.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to be here.
0: You know, I know we were talking about this right before we started, but one, I can't believe like I waited this long to have you on, so I apologize for that. Thank you for everything you do on the mental health side as a group practice owner, and then thank you so much for everything you do to help clinicians figure out this world of SEO, because I know the first time I heard that word, I was like way over my head and no idea what to do, so...
1: Thank you for saying that. I actually, I mean, I was very intimidated when I first heard about it too, which I think is why I love what I do so much because I'm like, man, if, if I can learn enough to, to navigate this world, then so can most practice owners. And it, it just, it sounds so overwhelming and these words sound so foreign, but let's be honest. If you're in the, if you're a clinician, you have at least a master's degree. And I'm like, if I couldn't even get Netflix on the TV when I first started, this, <laughs> I've come a long way. But yeah, so I enjoy helping translate it a little bit sometimes for other people too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Who is this like new version of Jessica, like Netflix to like SEO consultant? Like what is going on here?
1: You know, it was one of those business driven things. And my daughter, I started my practice essentially on my maternity leave but I did go back to my old job for a little while to finish out. And I just couldn't, it sounds like I couldn't afford to pay the babysitter for anything other than the time I was in my, you know, seeing clients. And so SEO was something I could teach myself at night and I was going to make this work. You know, I was in that DIY, you're going to figure it out bootstrapping type mood. And so it's one of those things we learn to do things when we need to learn to do them. (laughs) And
0: then- yeah, absolutely. Like survival or whatever we want to call it, like definitely breeds like a different level of motivation and inspiration. So
1: it does. And now I love it so much. I'm like I, I've yesterday just randomly was I don't even need to, but I just wrote another blog post and optimized it for my um private practice website because I had the time and I'm like, This is fun. <laughs> it's awesome.
0: So much has changed in, in the midst of this pandemic, right? On on so many levels and Among them, uh, you know, telehealth is quickly becoming the norm, very quickly, right? And which brings a lot of amazing potential because we can now see clients, not just in our local area, but across the state, for example, or wherever we're licensed. But I would imagine from an SEO perspective, this brings some complications. And uh, yeah, so I'm like super excited for this conversation.
1: It's funny beginning of the pandemic we had worked with a number of online only practices um actually one of the practices i guess two of them the site owners are now helping other other online private practices get this whole world of being an online only practice figured out cuz it's so much more common but i will say i immediately like when everybody started going on Online I told my very small the time there were 3 of us team I I was like okay there's going to be more competition SEO is going to get harder because you know where you used to compete just for your little area now you're competing for a whole state and so kind of we immediately went into will what we've always done for these other practice owners work in this new more competitive world the answer's been yes but we've had to make some adaptations and target some different things and use a little bit different techniques, but yeah, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, this is going to change the world of SEO and how we like our strategy and how we approach online practices specifically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the biggest difference in approaching SEO as telehealth becomes the norm?
1: Local SEO is different. So giving Google information about where you're located, there are some things you can do when you're in person that you can't as easily do when you're completely virtual and so like google my business is harder to have a google my business uh, listing when you're not local and so when you don't have a physical office location so you're competing against people and you know if somebody looks for a therapist in Philadelphia they're not just looking the, an online practice is now competing with people with physical locations in they're actually in Philadelphia and then, uh, so that kind of giving Google that information about where you're located is different, and then just the area people a lot of times come in and they're like, "Okay, I want to rank in the whole state right away." And sometimes we're like, "Okay, if you have a physical office location, it's much easier to get you ranking in just one city and then expand out or packed people come in and say, "Okay, I want to rank in all the scipacked states, and we're like, "Whoa, hold your horses like it's we need to go one scipacked state at a time to give Google like, "Hey, we're relevant in this state, okay." guess what? I'm also relevant in this one. And so the strategy in some, the elements are the same of what we do, but uh, how we deliver it is a little bit different.
0: So interesting. So I will admit I'm a complete SEO newbie. (laughs) And so I would ask a lot of silly questions. So if Google, my business is not an option, right? Because, you know, you might be working at your home or something. What's the, is the alternative then to... Focus on like content generation, or how do you
1: exactly? Yes, see, no, and I ask all the questions, all the little questions too. Yes, the alternative is essentially content generation, and it's content generation preferably that talks about where you are, where you want to be relevant. And so, I have a client who this month had recently moved to major metropolitan area that we haven't targeted before because she wasn't in that area. And so um, we wrote a whole blog post about how overwhelming it can be to look for a therapist in a big city and specifically around, specifically talking about that particular uh, city that she's in and some of the complications that can be with trying to get to an in-person appointment in that city. And then we talked about how the advantages to having a therapist who understands that city and here she does, you know, and so that sort of content, that sort of blog post. And actually, I think it's the second blog post we've written in two months on where we're really targeting that city to help Google understand that, okay, she might not have a Google My Business, but she's very relevant there. And yeah, we're starting with the city and then we'll move out from there to the greater area that she's moved to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love that general approach, right? Like I think... I mean, I struggle with this, right? Like SEO seems like something you do like one time and it's kind of just takes care of itself. But I think the thing I hear is, well, two things. One, it's always good to like start small and kind of build out. And then two, SEO is something that kind of consistently build over time. Uh it's not just like a one time thing or, you know, I'm just gonna buy the package and then be done with it, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it's both. I think some people talk about like, it's the same every month for years. And I don't totally agree with that because if you're not like our packages, typically about six months, give or take a little bit, depending on the site that we're doing more work and more intense work and more kind of building it up. But so there is something to be said for like, there's more work that goes into initially getting ranking. But then once we're ranking, like our alumni packages are much smaller than our done for you packages. And are because then there's less you have to do to maintain SEO. And sometimes, you know, our somebody will be on an alumni package and they'll need to go back to doing more intensive work for a couple months because they redesigned their website. There's always a bit of a fall when you redesign your website, or they changed hosting and Google isn't sure it trusts it, or there's more just more competition coming up in their area, or they add a new service when they get, but it is less work to maintain it once you have it. It just, but if you totally ignore it, luckily with SEO, so with Google ads, you know, the minute you stop paying for it, they stop showing you. It's not quite that with SEO. If you do nothing, you're still going to rank for a while, but it will slowly decline over time because Google will be like, okay, you aren't keeping up with your site. You know, you aren't adding that content or if you are, it's, there might be other people that are doing more to optimize in your area. And so your competition kind of rises up while you just kind of stay there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Google really like favors, I guess, relevancy, right. And new content and that kind of stuff. I wanted to shift a little bit and ask you sort of some practical tips. So, you know, what would you say are like three tips to improve SEO if you are a telehealth practice and now you're like, hey, I'm all into this telehealth thing. I don't think I'm gonna be going back.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things, and we've kind of alluded to to some of them. One for sure is to create a location page for each state that you're relevant in with content that's kind of curated to that state. So For instance, if I'm licensed in Missouri and Kansas, I would create an online therapy in Missouri page and an online therapy in Kansas where I would make, it wouldn't be the same exact content. It would make references to locations in Missouri or in Kansas and that sort of thing. So creating those individual service pages, I think is really important. I think having a technically sound website is important. So having a website developer that you work with that is aware of some technical issues is great. If you're doing it on your own, there are ways to do this. If you have a Squarespace site, that's okay. But you can run kind of, there are different sites you can check kind of tech issues on. And then have, and then blog very regularly. And people always want to know exactly what that means. Like how often is very regular? And honestly, it kind of depends on how well you already rank and what uh, state that you're, or in where the location, where you are. But if I'm trying to rank in New York City, for instance, or in New York, there's so much competition there that for a while I probably want to be vlogging at least every week and I want to have really long, you know, really relevant vlogs and if I'm in rural Iowa, I might be able to get away with twice a month or even once a month in some cases if I already rank a little bit or have a have a wet URL a website that I've owned for a really long time. Those are our favorite websites to work with by the way is when somebody has owned their URL for Years, but they haven't done any optimizing of it, those are much easier to get ranking. And so they might have to do a little bit less work in some ways.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. I, so there, you said a lot of really good stuff there. So, first one, you said create a location page for each state. So, again, silly questions. It makes sense to do it at the state level as opposed to a major city in the state level.
1: So, both and yes. So, the best way would be to do the cities but sometimes people struggle with coming up with unique content for multiple cities within the same state. And so it just kind of depends. I actually just wrote an online counseling in a specific city page as well for a different client last week as well. So, you know, there are times where where it just makes a lot more sense. So, for instance, I might make an online like if I'm trying to rank in Chicago, I'm probably going to need an online therapy in Chicago page cuz It's more competitive than if I'm trying to rank really anywhere else in Illinois.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting. And then,
1: oh, you're fine. Yeah. So sometimes I think that there's benefit to the cities. It's just how do you do it in a way that feels authentic, that feels real, that doesn't feel like overkill? Because I think that that's often what we're balancing with SEO, right? Is like, and Google wants it to be natural. Google doesn't want us to do a bunch of things just for SEO, actually. Ironically, Google doesn't want us to cater to it, it wants us to cater to a good user experience. that's what I'm always balancing Is I'm like, okay, yes. Theoretically, I want to rank for online therapy in Missouri where my practice is. So theoretically I could make, you know, a page for Kansas City, a page for St. Louis, a page for Kirksville, a page for Springfield, all the different parts of the state. And I've not done that because I don't have to in Missouri and because it would get really difficult to come up with unique content. But if I just copied the same page over and over again, that's not as helpful because Google kind of goes, eh, I've seen that content. What else do you have? And sometimes chooses not even index those pages, which means like it sees that that page exists and says, nope, I'm not going to take note of it. I'm not going to show it in search engines because I've seen that page before. And so unique content is really important. And that's one of the things we think about when we're thinking about these location pages is how can I make this very similar maybe to my, you know, if I did have like online therapy in Kansas City and online therapy in St. Louis, how can I, you know, it's going to be similar. It's the same service, especially if it's in the same state because that's the other thing is if you have a group practice with different people located in different states, you can highlight like what the specialties are of the clinicians in that state. But if I'm doing two cities in the same state, it's the same service. And so how do I make that content unique to each of those cities? It's possible. We've done it, but it is more of a challenge.
0: That's so interesting. So this might be a little bit of a technical question, but like, I know that like linking from pages to pages, right? That's really beneficial. So is that still apply? Like, for example, if you have a, I don't know, counseling, you know, in New York and let's say your license, I don't know, in New York and New Jersey, right? So does it make sense to like cross link those and mention them?
1: Yes, it does. And so again, then we run into like, how do we make this as natural as possible? So a lot of times on the footer of a website, somebody will have all of their areas that they have location pages listed offering online therapy and this place and this place and this place and this place and links to those pages, because there aren't necessarily as many natural opportunities to link throughout your website that kind of make sense. Again, if you're creating those kind of blog posts around those topics, like a therapist's top five resources for PTSD treatment in New York City or something like that, or to supplement trauma therapy, then I could link that blog post very naturally to my page about online therapy in New York City. And so that's the thing we think about with content is how can you write the blog posts that are going to naturally provide opportunities for those links. And those links really do add to the page. If we need to put some in there just for SEO, we can, because you can always say at the bottom, okay, in addition to working at or in addition to offering online counseling in New York City, we also offer online counseling in these areas of the state and link to those location pages. And so you can find spaces to in, to include those internal links. And I think if you have, if you think about your content, you're know, like, what kind of post can I write that just naturally mentions these? I wrote a blog post once on like, I had taken uh, like a weekend trip and we like to travel to exciting places, but we had taken just a weekend trip to somewhere within the state of Missouri, one of the most beautiful parts of the state. It was just wonderful. And just my my kids stayed with my in-laws and my husband and I just had this great weekend, the two of us. And the, it's near the area where he grew up and it's beautiful. And it just felt so rejuvenating. I came back like ready to see clients, ready to work on the business, ready to do SEO for people, all the things. And I wrote this blog post on short trips being sometimes good for the soul, good for mental health. And when I wrote that, you know, I was easily able to mention different parts of the state that you might get away to. And it was just this very natural blog post inspired by, you know, it did come from within me and from my own experience, but it had the added benefit of, I was mentioning these other parts of the state that I might not normally have opportunity to talk about. And so like, what a great blog post for SEO that also was good content for the, for the readers. And I think that's what I'm passionate about is like, yes, we can do things just for SEO, but how, where, where, how can we do things that are good for our clients, like truly useful content and also good for SEO? And where can that come, come together? Because I know that's what Google is looking for. They care, all of their updates, it's more and more about the user experience and about the expertise of the, of the person writing it. Like They do want to know that you're an expert. Um. although it can hurt you if you try to put out too much psycho babble, So we have to be careful. I think grad school did not prepare us to write blog posts at all. But yeah, So, but the bottom line is like Google does want to see that you have relevant content and that you care about the user experience. And so while there are a lot of things we can do for SEO, I think we need to think about how we do that in the most natural way that also benefits our clients. And I know in my practice, we send blog posts that clinicians have written. I work really... <laughs> hard with my clinicians to be like, this is get your voice out there. These are not just for for SEO. It's, you know, when we have a new client who's struggling with panic attacks and is set up to meet with one of our therapists, we have a couple different blog posts on panic attacks that our VAs will send them to read. So by the time they walk in the door, A, we've already helped them and given them some sort of tool. And B, we've positioned our therapists as the experts because they've already read a blog post by their therapist on that topic. Oh,
0: nice. That's so smart. What are you said you mentioned psychobabble? I feel like this is something I struggle with a lot. You know, I've started getting active like a lot active on on Twitter like this year and this is like so much of this is like unlearning, right? Like stuff we were taught in grad school, beneficial at the time but like less beneficial now. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about more about that like spend that on that this SEO psychobabble why Google doesn't like seem to like that?
1: Yeah, it is trained in tests. So my director of SEO services that works with me, we actually got our BSWs together and then, she, we, then we went on separately and got our MSWs and she teaches at, as an adjunct at the local university. And we used to have a rule that she couldn't do SEO work on days shows at the university because when she was grading papers, she was in that mode of like how to sound professional. And let's face it, What research paper did you write in grad school that didn't have run on sentences? My mom's a researcher. I have written a couple of papers with her research team that have been published. And it is almost like you get rewarded for the longer your sentences, the more complicated and the more dictionary worthy words you use. Um, But in reality, what happens is um, is that most of the time when people are reading a blog post, they're not looking for that in depth. Now, there are exceptions to this you know, I've had a couple of my more technical blog posts that I know clients have read and found really helpful. But a lot of times when people are reading, they just want the gist of it. And they want to be able to scan the page too is the other thing. And so these really long paragraphs, these really long sentences are not scannable, first of all. And so that's the first place that it hurts you. And then the second thing is that, and with therapists out hear, but my clients are educated. I'm like, I'm private pay, so are mine. But you know, an attorney, a mental, we see a lot of mental health professionals sometimes and their loved ones. And it's like, even a mental health professional, I know when I was looking for therapy for my son a few years ago, I was in mama mode, not in my professional mode. And I was like 1030 at night. And so when you're, you know, when you've decided to see a therapist, because whatever's going on in your life, you just had a fight with your spouse. You're kind of in that trauma brain. And we all know what happens when you're in trauma brain, right? Like, your amygdala gets tripped, and you're not accessing the, you're not up for reading a grad school paper. And so you're more likely to hop off the page. You're less likely to stay really engaged in the page because you just want to know does this person get it? And how, and can they help me? Or if you're reading about panic attacks, you just want to know again, do they get it? And do, is there information here that can help me? So almost whatever page of your website, especially I feel like this applies to any specialty. But especially in our field of mental health, where people I think are going to be, it is emotional to look for a therapist. We're nice people. We know we're nice people, but, but the person looking is often in kind of that trauma brain response. They're not in, they are not in the mood to read a grad school paper, even if they're very, very capable of it. And so if we write things that they're more likely to read and stay engaged with, they'll stay on the page longer. They'll look at other pages of our website and they're more likely to convert and all of those things are also good for search engine optimization but the big thing sorry i feel like there there's so many ways it's good i'm like i could keep talking about this but the other thing is another thing that's good for what we call readability is adding subheadings add like breaking up that text and when you add those subheadings to break up those really long sections they also give you opportunities to naturally kind of summarize what's underneath that subheading and google pays more attention to those subheadings and so google goes oh that's what this section's about and so to me, that's one thing that contributes to how to readability on a page is breaking up those sections. And it's just a massive opportunity for for SEO when you properly use subheadings.
0: Yeah. So awesome, man. We could probably nerd out on this for another couple of hours. Jessica, I so appreciate you and just taking the time to like educate us. I mean, this is, we're all trying to figure this stuff out, right? As so many things change you know, we have variants, all of these things, right? And uh, yeah, just so appreciate you and and all the work that you're doing. Where can we learn more about you, about the SEO services that provide?
1: Yeah, our website is simplifiedseoconsulting.com. And we have tons of information, lots of relevant blog posts, as you can imagine, with lots of tips, and uh, also a button to schedule a time to hop on a call with one of us and, and talk about, how we might be able to help and what that might look like and what would get you the best return on investment.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. Jessica, thank you again for doing this and uh, have a
1: great rest of your day. Thank you so much. You as well.
0: Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jessica and especially if this world of SEO and telehealth and what in the world am <laughs> I doing? As uh, you've been thinking that, uh, I hope that today's podcast session has just been helpful for you and gives you some new ideas. You know, one of, I, to be completely honest, like I haven't done the greatest job with like search engine optimization for the Selling the Couch blog, but that's definitely changing here this year. And part of the reason is because I realized like, at this point, like I have such a huge amount of content and I want to make sure that it's getting optimized. And I think part of the other thing is You know, as Selling the Couch has grown, you know, to be completely honest, like when you're first starting out, right, there was a lot, there was a season with Selling the Couch where I was just trying to find my voice and really trying to even understand and figure out where my podcast, where the blog fit into the larger, larger picture of like our field. And I think here in the last like six months to nine months, it's become really clear that my passion is in how do we use these clinical skills to create online income. And I'm really excited for that realization because so much of the content now that I'm creating centers around that. And I'm just really excited to get that optimized. You know, I was thinking about this particular conversation with Jessica and I know there was like a range of different stuff in there. And the thing that kept, I kept coming back to was this psychobabble idea. You know, I think for me, I started writing on Twitter a lot more, like way more actively this year. And so what I typically do is right now it's every other week, I'll write like a longer form Twitter thread. Uh, Right now just focused either on lessons that I'm learning and creating a mastermind, lessons that I learned creating an online course, or lessons that I've learned when it comes to podcasting, right. And it's just been really cool to like be able to use that medium. And what I'm sort of thinking about is, okay, how do I use this content in a way that's helpful? uh, And I can sort of repurpose it. But the thing I'm also thinking about, and it's been really interesting writing, because it's been a lot of unlearning how I've previously written, uh, especially going through grad school and writing a thesis and a dissertation, and just really realizing that people resonate with simple language, you know, and just how powerful that is when you can sort of acquire that skill. Again, Jessica's website is over at simplifiedseoconsulting.com. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. I wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful. Uh, For me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way, you can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned, right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called online course school. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the core launches is to download again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Thanks
1: for listening to the selling the couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.